0: blog, talk, radio. Welcome to Wicked Green Energy with your host, Roxanne Pappas. Roxanne is fighting to bring our troops home from the Middle East and reduce our country's dependence on fossil fuels. As an associate with Viridian Energy, she can provide domestic sources of solar, wind, and water right now to your home or business. On this show... She and her guests explore other cutting-edge ways we can reduce our carbon footprint and preserve vital resources across the globe. Here is your host, Roxanne Huffman.
1: Hey, y'all. This is your Wicked Green Energy Lady coming to you from uh, wonderful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. With uh, Today over Memorial Day weekend, which is the... Um, The unofficial start of uh, summer here on the Cape We had a very very rainy day So a lot of the people were jumping ship And we had several miles of backup Going across the two bridges here But we'll see the next week Because that's what happens here on the Cape Um, In addition, happy Memorial Day to everyone Especially to our vets I want to shout out a huge and heartfelt thanks To all of them, both uh, past and present, those who are still here and those who have passed, a huge thank you. Uh, We really could never have done anything without you. So, I don't mean to be a doom and gloom type of person. I'm just trying to report what we've got ahead of us. Um, I'm I'm talking today about the... um, um, the rising sea levels because of climate change, and even though, as as I as I mentioned to you, that'll be in the very near future. Sorry, very distant future, and we will never see it. Um, I think we need to think about the legacy that we're going to leave behind uh, to our to our um, children, grandchildren, and et cetera. So don't mean, again. Don't mean to be doom and gloom. Just be aware. Is all I'm uh, all I'm asking. Okay. So we've got issues with uh, the rising sea level. Generally speaking, the sea levels worldwide are expected to rise as climate change melts the ice and causes water to expand. We all know this. We talk about the glaciers and uh, the poor polar bears, bears who have no place to go. The the levels are going to vary from place to place, place to place. Sorry, um, basically due to the ocean currents and differences in water and seawater temperature, etc. Currently, since 1880, climate change has raised the global sea level about eight inches. The rate of its rising is accelerating, and this increases the odds of damaging floods from storm surges. Now, across the U.S., we've got nearly 5 million people living in 2.6 million homes at less than 4 feet above high tide. And scientists are expecting that roughly 2 to 7 more feet of sea level rise will occur this century. A lot depends on um, how many more carbon emissions uh, we spew into the, um, into the environment. Um, and that is a known fact that that uh, does create the global warming or the climate change. So, currently in the, in the U.S., um, because the coasts are the most sought after real estate around the you know, east and west coasts, as many as 13.1 million people in the United States will be in the path of flooding. By the year 2100, and that's about three times uh, what, it, what the current population is now. I mean, they take into the researchers take into account the rapid growth, all that good stuff. Um, if the seas rise only 2.95 feet, 4.9 million people could be forced from the coasts. If they go up to 5.9 feet. 13.1 million people uh, will be displaced. The National Ocean- Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration predicts that the sea levels will rise 8 inches to 6.6 feet by 2100. It's really weird saying that, that, uh, that year. Um, so again, since the coast of the most off Mosa- Mosa- real estate, Nearly 70% of the people at risk will reside in southeastern U.S., and half of those are concentrated in Florida. Here in, on the Cape, we have a lot of what we call snowbirds, six months up here on the Cape in the summer, and the rest of the time in Florida, they're going back and forth. They, of course, we're not in any great uh, shape either here, being living on the, co- on the coast. So I think we need to do some thinking Okay, so as those seas are rising, the first thing that we're going to see over the next few days, a few decades, are the, uh, is the low-level flooding that we see now with the winter storms. So, in, instead of flooding occurring every once every three to four years, it appears that we're going to be seeing flooding three to four times each year. Um, and we can't think about the fact that, well, in the last hundred years, the, the sea hasn't risen that much, or it will be uh, the same. We know that it's going to continue to rise uh, unless we do something about the carbon emissions. Um, the also projected by the by 2100, the global sea levels will rise by another. 11 to 4.4 inches. The increase will depend, obviously, on how how much greenhouse gas emissions uh, are out there. So I'm just going to give you a few examples of, and I'm going to keep it here to the United States, of what we're going to see, how much we're going to be seeing here. So in New Jersey, in Cape May, New Jersey, that's the highest one, is going to see um, 15.2 inches, Rise in sea level. Lydia, Louisiana, will see 13.4. Hatteras Island, North Carolina, 13.4. Barnstable, Massachusetts, that's here on the Cape, 11.1. East River Marsh in Connecticut, 10.7. The next two in Massachusetts, again, Revere, 9.3, and Wood Island, 8.8. And Florida, 7.2. Again, keep in mind that the global rise is projected to be 5.4 inches. So it's, uh, it's considerable, considerable. Let me give you exa- exa- some examples of um, what our cities have been um, going through here in the last um, few decades. The Mississippi River Delta in, um, in Louisiana... In the 1950s, they had a town that was known as Orange City because it had tons of citrus groves. None of those groves remain today. The Mississippi Delta is one of the fastest disappearing land masses on Earth. It's got nearly—it's sorry—it's lost nearly 1,900 square miles since the 1930s, and it's still losing um, uh, land. to, uh, around the size of a football field every hour I, I can't even fathom that can you this is, uh, this is frightening to me okay um, according to a study recently published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences over 20 million people in the U.S. are at risk of le- having their cities and homes completely lost to the rising sea and that's based on current trends. Miami and New Orleans are predicted to fall under rising sea levels along with Sacramento, Boston, Norfolk, Savannah, and Tampa. And these are the, 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 the cities that are on the researchers' list as places that are beyond the point of saving. There are other cities that have a fighting chance, again, uh, if we can revert our, car, revert our carbon emissions back to levels found in 1950, or better yet, before then, uh, by the year 2050, that's, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, New York City may have until 2085 and Long Beach, California, until 2075, before they come become totally submerged. I, I, I okay, I'm not saying anything here.
0: <laughs>
1: Jacksonville, Florida, only has about 20 years to see a significant reversal of current trends. Um, this is drastic. And, again, uh, we won't see it in our lifetimes. But I think it's, it's, it's our responsibility to do something now. Um, and going back to a, an, an earlier discussion that, uh, that I had about the nuclear plants, that's going to be an issue, a big-time issue. Um, as I mentioned before, the U.S. has about 100 operational nuclear reactors and another 17 that are, that are slowly being decommissioned. Uh, some of them are going to reach the end of their lives before the sea levels rise to a point where flooding becomes harder and harder to control. And as I mentioned, uh, how quickly sea levels could rise varies, varies widely uh, from, from 4 feet by 2100 to almost 30 feet elsewhere between the next uh, two centuries. But going back to the plants, even if they aren't running, we still need to address the radioactive waste that's left behind in in those um, um, cement cases that uh, I discussed earlier. Now those cases were supposed to last years and years and years. But we don't know that that's going to happen. So, we don't know what, what's going to happen with the spent fuel that's left at the uh, uh, decommissioned nuclear plants. The spent fuel that's in a number of the plants uh, around, the, um, around the country remain there for decades, decades. But, having said that, if we've got the flooding that occurs well before those decades, uh, through, we're going to have a lot of radioactive uh, radioactivity going on, as as well as the flooding. Um, I'm going to run to a commercial right now because I want to talk about what was what's going to happen, or what we're likely to see for the historic areas and the cultural sites that are under the threat of uh, the rising sea level. So hang with me. I'm going to a commercial, and I shall be right back. Jenna, have you seen the TV show Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod on Channel 99? OMG, I love that show. It's with Kathleen O'Keefe Canavan. She's an international best-selling author. And Lori Boyle, the CEO of Lori Boyle Media. Right. They're hosting a personal development seminar, Retreat for the Soul. It's about your dreams, meditation, healing, and the subconscious mind. Ooh. It sounds fun. And rejuvenating. Let's go. Where do we sign up? Their website, Wicked Housewives on CapeCod.com.
0: Kathleen O'Keefe cannabis and Lori Boyle will show you how go to wicked house lives on Cape Cod Do you have a great story to tell or do you want to write your memoir? Beth and Lori Boyle CEO of Laurie Boyle media are the hosts of the wicked house lives on Cape Cod TV and radio shows Join their writers workshop intensive to get writing and get published go to wicked house lives on Cape Cod And
1: we're back and I want to talk about as I mentioned the historical landmarks that are at risk with these rising sea levels. Um, And again, I I keep repeating myself, most of the threatened sites are along the East Coast between Prince Edward Island in Canada down to uh, Cape Hatteras um, and below in in Florida. Um, There's a tiny little island off uh, Prince Edward Island, called Lennox Island. Now, this is an interesting little town because it's no, uh, sorry, uh, island because evidently it's no bigger than the size of Central Park. If anyone knows Central Park, the the Native American tribe, tribe the Mi'kmaq, are there as well as some uh, descendants of the of Aboriginal tribes. They've been collecting these artifacts from the beaches when the dissolving coastline scatters them on the sand. That's how quickly it's going. A generation ago, the island was 1,300 square acres. It's now only 1,100. What's interesting about this group of people, and 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 we need to keep in mind that there are people out there that that are taking taking, um, action for this. We should be paying close attention to them. So we have this little island, as I said. The leaders there decided they can't wait for the rest of the world to take action, to cut carbon emissions, to stave off climate change, global warming. The island has 400 residents, and they're now taking steps to adapt. They've launched an archaeological rescue of their most important site, um, which actually is an, what they call an ancient garbage pile, that documents the life of the people who for millennia used an adjacent island as a fishing camp. While they're try, racing to, to save their past, but they're, they're also preparing for the future. They're commissioning the latest computer simulations to project what the island would look like as the forces of the sea and the wind eventually submerge it. In Mexico, there's a tiny community of Punta Allen, and the residents, have developed, have, the residents there have developed sustainable fishery methods to capture a spiny lobster, even as the ocean conditions and sea level are changing, and they're teaching them to their neighbors. Jamestown, Virginia, which was established in 1607, it's the first, uh, if you know your history, it's the first permanent English colony in, um, in the North America. It sits along the uh, James River, and most of the settlement is less than three feet above sea level. A large part of the settlement has eroded because of wave action. Storms have damaged the site, including Isabel, Hurricane Isabel in '03. That hurricane flooded nearly one million artifacts. A rising water table poses a threat to the archaeological r- remains that are there now. Closer to home, we're going to go to, um, to Boston and New York, because there are some similarities with, um, with the landmass there. Um, as far as New York is concerned, we know that the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, are two of the biggest tourist attractions there. In 2012, well, when we had the Hurricane Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, it submerged, that hurricane submerged most of the low elevation of Liberty and Ellis Island's. After the storm, the Statue of Liberty was closed for eight months. Ellis Island, from ninety-two, uh, sorry, remained closed for nearly a year. The, a report by the National Park Service looked at how several parks would be threatened by around three feet of sea level rise, and it found that one point fifty-one billion dollars worth of assets at the Statue of Liberty National Monument alone were highly exposed to rising sea levels. Researchers compared the sea level and storm surge heights from the year 850 to 1800 before there were any significant human influences on the climate, um, which is the period 1970 to 2005. The average flood height increased by about 4 feet between the two time periods. And obviously, as we've always talked about, with continued warming, larger and more extreme storms are likely to cause more frequent and intense flooding. So we take a look back at New York. We know that it's, um, uh, sorry, Manhattan, it's an island, and it was built on um, just a swampy environment dominated by wetlands. And even as late as 1900, those wetlands were still there. About 17,000 acres uh, existed at least through the mid-1800s. But they started vanishing during the golden age of American capitalism, which was 1953 to 73, to make way for roads, landfills, and the expansion of Kennedy Airport. Now, again, uh, if you remember my, um, my tirade about man's folly, and we don't, we don't uh, learn from our past, you would think that Hurricane Katrina in, in Louisiana and Hurricane Sandy, they would give New York's political leaders some pause and, and, and to determine what they're going to do and, and develop a barrier plan for, uh, for New York. Uh, and it doesn't seem as though many people are doing anything about it. On to Boston. Those of you who've been here know most of historic Boston is along the water and is at risk, including Faneuil Hall, which is known as the Cradle of Freedom, and parts of the Freedom Trail. And like New York, Boston was built on marshy and swampy lands. Boston has seen a growing number of flooding events in recent years, up from two annually in the 70s, to an average of 11 annually between 2009 and 13, And if the sea level rises by 5 inches, just 5 inches, the number of floods is projected to grow to 31 floods annually. And if it goes up to 11 inches, they'll go up to 72 per year. The flooding from the sea level rise is threatening to wash away many of Boston's our historical buildings and, arche- and archaeological sites. In addition to Faneuil Hall, we have all the cobblestone, the colonial streets that are behind there, Back Bay. Um, I, I recently saw a picture, a projected picture of um, floods going all the way up to the streets to um, uh, to the Prudential Center. Uh, Boston, or both sites, I should say, are the most at risk in an entire country uh, for, because of climate change for sea level rise. And it's interesting that um, that golden number is t- the year 2100. And you know how we park a car in Harvard Yard? Well, we could be parking our boats and not our cars in Harvard, at Harvard Yard. By that year So it doesn't The problem though with, uh, with Boston It doesn't just stop with the historic, the historic sites The ground on the Faneuil Hall Was once a wharf Back in the 1700s And then it was filled in with trash And covered with dirt To extend the, to, to extend the land the buried garbage is now an archaeological gold mine, which provides insight into the life of 1700s uh, Boston. And it's now in danger of being covered by water. There are hundreds of other lesser known archaeological sites across Boston that are in danger of being washed away, um, that I, that, and, and uh, North American artifacts that are found on the islands on the outskirts of the uh, harbor. Another factor that we need to consider is, along with New York and Philadelphia, Boston has some of the oldest water infrastructure in the country. As a result, the stormwater and wastewater is all still handled by the same pipe network, meaning downpours threaten the city's health with backed up sewage as well as with the damage from flooding. So we're not all, you know, just talking about saving the, the historical sites. We're talking about major infrastructures that uh, could could uh, just vanish. And I know the cost of the repairing or replacing those the, that infrastructure is quite quite high. On a global basis, however, there are certain there are certain countries and certain areas that are more at risk. Boston, however, has is, has been ranked the eighth most at risk for floodings of all the country's major coastal metropolitan areas, which is facing $237 million worth of possible damage. Globally, the cities at the greatest risk risk are Guangzhou, China. Number two is Miami. Number three, New York four, New Orleans, five, Mumbai Mumbai in uh, in, uh, India, six, Nagoya in Japan, seven, Tampa, eight, Boston, nine, Shenzhen in China, and ten, Osaka in Japan. The top four, which includes three here in the States, account for 43% of the forecast total global losses. Outside of Asia, the U.S is the most threatened nation. And that is because the U.S., India, and China are the three countries that pollute the air most by with carbon emissions. So we are going to suffer the most. What could disappear? Let's take into account a few of the U.S. cities. Uh, Boston could be 37% flooded. Cambridge, 86% flooded. Miami, 99% flooded. Miami Beach, 100%. Atlantic City, 100%. New Orleans, 100%. New York City, 39%. But large portions of all the five boroughs would be gone, including much of uh, Manhattan below 34th Street. Tampa would be 50% flooded. Uh, it's mind-boggling to even think about this. So ultimately, we have to make a choice. We either act now or we pay later. There are more than a billion people out there who are set to be exposed to coastal flooding by 2060. And that's through a combination of sea level rise, storm surges, extreme weather, et cetera, et cetera. The people living in the three of the biggest carbon-polluting countries that I, met, that I mentioned would be most at risk, U.S., China, and India. But the, the worst part of it is the ones that will suffer the most will be the poor because they, they do not have an infrastructure. Um, the wealthier people will have options to relocate or receive insurance protection, but the poor won't, are going to be most vulnerable. They, 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 they won't have the infrastructure and no social or financial safety net. So we can avoid this vision of the future. The first thing we can do is speed up the global transition away from dirty fossil fuels to the clean renewable energy of the future, which is what I've been talking about time and time again. Um, you have an option of a very small thing that you can do, takes five minutes, is to revert to energy source that has cleaner renewable energy and solar panels. That's going to speed up the, uh, the, uh, the, the solution. Uh, we can also spend money now on reducing the risk of disasters which would save money and lives later. A couple of phrases here that I think are important for you to note. Sea level rise is distinct in that it is permanent for all intents and purposes. It's permanent. The more we know, the more we're finding things are more severe than we thought. And it's no longer a question of if we do something it's when we do it. And any government, state, local, country, nationwide needs to be planning for the impacts now. And so I'm going to leave you on that uh glum note. I promise next week I will be uh I'll be happier. <laughs> not that I'm not happy. But um this is this is just fodder for thought. And I will um Leave you today with that, and I'll see you again next week. Ciao for
0: now. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Wicked Green Energy. You may get in touch with Roxanne through her Facebook page, Living It Up Green, or her email, rpappas7 at gmail.com. That's r-p-a-p-p-a-s-7 at gmail.com. Join her every Monday night from 6 to 6.30 Eastern Time right here on the Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.